0: everyone, welcome to another episode of Trick Talks. My name is Barbara Lally, and today we are going to speak with Jen. So we're going to give Jen a few moments to join in on the live, and then we're going to get started. I see her now.
1: Hello. How are you, Barbara?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Doing good. I'm are you ready? So glad this worked.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you ready to get started? I am. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about your trick. When it started, how old you were? Where did you pull from? Things like cool.
1: that. Um, I started when I was 13. Um, I can pinpoint the exact moment I had. huge unibrow my whole life and i was getting ready to go to the eighth grade dance and i was like mom i don't want to be like unibrow bushy eyebrow girl so she took me to get them waxed they were a little bit thinner but they were still super bushy so she was like okay well you can thin them out with a with tweezers and that just completely started it so it started with my eyebrows and very quickly turned into my lashes because it was constantly a game of battling like perfection between the two sides um, and so 37 now, so that's what 24 years ago that it started, and I've had moments where I've stopped, but um, yeah, I've been going strong.
0: Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize, like, hey, this is something that I can't
1: really control? Pretty quickly, um, my you know, and as. As what happens with a lot of kids, um, my mom kind of shamed me about it. I love her. She did her best, but that's kind of where, what it um, came down to. And when I realized that no matter what she said, I couldn't stop. I realized it really was like a compulsion that I couldn't handle. Mm
0: -hmm. And how long after that, did you find out that there was a name for this behavior that you're doing?
1: A long, long, long time. (laughs) I don't even know how long, um, I must have been, I don't know, in my late teens when I finally realized that it actually had a name and that there was a community of people who had it and still didn't feel great about myself because of it, but um, at least I knew you know, it was, it was a thing. Mm-hmm.
0: And did you feel, did it like relieve you? Some people don't like the label, some people feel relieved when they have it. How did you feel?
1: Honestly, I don't remember. Um, the first time i talked to somebody else who had it i felt relieved um back in that day there was like chat rooms and stuff and there was a chat room for it and i ended up becoming really good friends with somebody who still is one of my dearest friends and she was the first person i really talked to about it and i think that was the first moment that i felt okay about everything with it Mm
0: -hmm. and as you were growing up did you you know confide in you know, friends that you had, like, hey, I'm I'm doing this thing, even though you didn't know there was a name for it, or were you very secretive about
1: it? I was secretive. I told everybody that I got hit by, like, a, flames in a bonfire when we, we used to go camping all the time, and I was like, yeah, you only hit my eyelashes and eyebrows. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was one of those things that I felt like I could hide fairly well, other than, like, somebody asking, Oh, did you, didn't you used to wear mascara? And I was like, Oh yeah, tried to hide that one. Or, um, I'm a magnet for whether it's a Frisbee or tennis ball or a basketball. If somebody's playing with a sport ball, it's going to hit me in the face. I just, I can't catch. And I remember being a freshman in high school and i you know drawn my eyebrows on um and i got hit square in the brow with a tennis ball hit super super hard and it literally just took off that tiny little spot and i had a hole and it was one of those things that certain people had to know at that point in time um, but it was as a 15 year old that was really hard to manage
0: mm-hmm. i just remember being at school and like having you know three different types of eyeliners, pencils, because those moments would arise where maybe like I get dripped on with my eyeliner and I'm like, you know, it's one of those things that I think people who don't have trick realize, like even the smallest, you know, taking away what I, what I feel I need to shield this from everyone
1: can like ruin your whole day. Oh my gosh, it just fuels my anxiety so intensely. Even now, as a as a grown adult, I have moments where I feel like I'm okay with it, but then, like if I look in the mirror and it's you know the way I drew my brows aren't on are perfect, I, yeah, it can just completely kill my day.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I looked on your page, of course. You know, you started to microblade. When did you start doing that, and what made you want to do that as you know that make that choice?
1: Um, I first had my microblading done probably five or six years ago, Um, and it was kind of when it first came out, Um, and the person that I ended up having done her having do it um, was a friend of a friend and drove into, like, the deep, deep part of Chicago to have it done, Um, and it just... I, I still covered it up. It wasn't the right shape. It wasn't the right shade. Um, looking back now, af- after having had multiple consultations with other people, maybe they went too deep with mine. So it was just a big, huge issue. So I continued to draw them on. And the reason behind getting a microbladed in the first place was, it takes way too freaking long to draw my eyebrows on every single day and make sure that they're perfect and make sure they're even and just measure them out and all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to ease my life a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so flash forward, like I now have two kids and the idea of going into labor and delivery and like, squinting my eyes so hard that my eyeliner is like smeared across my face or like moving my hand and my brows coming off was just so stressful. And so I, you know, that was a part of the original plan with, um, blading, but I recently had them done less than a year ago. Um, I want to say maybe six months ago. And I, I draw in a couple of spots just because a couple of spots didn't take as well, but it saves me so much time in the morning. And I feel like my, um, my perfectionism tendencies are slowly going down a little bit with it. You just mm-hmm. got to find the right person. I followed this woman for two and a half years before I finally decided to book it. So
0: wow, that's awesome. And I think it is so important for people who do makeup every day. I swear fake eyelashes like every day at school, like the last few months, um, anything that's going to make my life easier. I'm just going, I'm going to try it because yeah. It is such a pain. Like I used to be like, I can't wait to wear makeup. And then when I felt like I had to, now I hate it. I'm looking at it like, ugh, can't believe I have put you on every day.
1: Yes, absolutely. That was actually to me, the biggest thing about COVID was I always worked from home, but I worked from home like four days a week. I would go in sometimes to my office with COVID, even being on video every single day with work calls, something changed. And I was like, you know what? I'm not wearing foundation every single day. So literally after having microblading, I put on eyeliner and that's it. And there have been times in that frame that I, you know, didn't even put on eyeliner. I was just doing better and I felt confident enough and nobody says anything. It's totally different from like eighth grade, junior high, high school age to, to now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's, there's something
0: about younger people, like teenagers and children that like, they just they don't understand how to ask. They just like blurt things out. Like I've always been like, where are your eyebrows? Like, that's like, it just came in their head and then I like, they yell it out. And I'm like, can you think about what you're saying before you like ask me in front of 25 people?
1: Like, how am exactly. I supposed to oh, exactly. do this? And it's those moments that you don't ever forget. Like I, I can clearly remember I was It was right after I first started pulling and um, some of my family went to a concert in St. Louis. It was the first time I'd seen my one aunt and uncle in months or years, maybe even just because they live far away. And my uncle was like, gosh, Jenny, your eyes are so blue. And my mom goes, they're not that blue. She just doesn't have any eyelashes. So they look bluer. And I was just like, and to this day, I still remember it, the way she said it, the way my family reacted, like there's just those moments that... People don't mean it in that way, but it doesn't ever go away.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, um, my mom taught me like, you know, say things in private, you know, if someone has something in their teeth or like lipstick on their teeth, like pull them aside and say, you know, Hey, like help them out the way that people say it. It's like, uh, you know, I'm on this spotlight now and I am forced to either explain which half the time or more than half the time I never wanted to, cause I didn't want to share with that person or I'm like trying to make up a lie. It's like, my brain is like, you're,
1: yes. Yes. It's extremely okay. stressful. I never felt like I was a liar until I started having to make up lies around it. And then it was like, I categorized myself as a liar because I was lying about my trick and mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like went into this spiral and now I'm, I don't like automatically go out and say it, but I'm open about it now. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, when was the moment that you started to become really open about it? And you were just like, Hey, like maybe you won't share it with everyone, but you will speak about it. When was that for you?
1: Um, I mean, I would tell people that I was close with, um, but when I kind of got to the point, so um, I want to say 2018, maybe I went to the heart and soul retreat in Denver um, and it was one of those things, you know, 2018, I was what, 20 or 30, uh, I don't know, 34, something like that at the time, 33. Um, and I'd been living with this for how many years. And all of a sudden it was like, I've wanted to go to a retreat for this my entire life. And it actually exists. Holy crap. Um, and so I, I went and I was lucky enough that, um, I was able to get a scholarship to go and I wanted to pay it forward. So I put a, I decided I was just going to Put it all out there i put it on instagram i said hey i'm going to this retreat this is something that means so much to me um and i raised funds for it so i think for me the idea of fundraising is like an easier way of coming out and telling people things um and it was i mean i don't remember having a lot of reactions after that point but then it was like i went to the retreat and i saw these other people who were exactly like me and it was incredibly moving um and I was like, all oh, these people are so beautiful. Why don't I feel beautiful? Oh, wait, I am beautiful. And everybody else is beautiful. And now I feel like I can tell people about this. So it was that kind of hit. And then I just felt way more open about it. I felt like the shame kind of started to to peel away.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow, that's great. How did you find the retreat? Was it just like a search online or?
1: Yeah, I find that Google searches are just, you know, the greatest things ever. I don't know how I survived without them. Um, but yeah, I just Google searched it. And I don't even know exactly what popped up. But then, um, you know, I had my first conversation with Christina, who runs it, and I was crying the whole time. I just love her. Um, and then, you know, again, it was like, Twenty years of living with this. It took me a long time to find out that it was trick. It took me a long time to find people who had it. It took me a really long time to feel comfortable with it. But twenty years to find a retreat, and again, I know that they're not happening right now due to COVID. But when they're back, I, I don't know. That's like the first thing that I'm going to recommend to anybody, just because I I can't even explain just how much that helped me feel more me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That sounds really great. I would really like to go.
1: Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> I wanna go every single year when it's back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So I know that you, you know, draw the brows and the makeup. Are there any other things that you do um, to like either mask the trick, I used to wear headbands and and things like that. Um, And also what are some things that you do to kind of like, you know, combat it?
1: Yep. Well, so I didn't ever pull from my hair until I was pregnant. Um, with both of my kids, I lost a lot of hair, like right in here. And so I would start to pull and have like these smaller bald patches. Um, and I don't know if it was just like the ability for me to flip my hair that kind of helped with that, but I've stopped pulling there. Um, really with, you know, my eyebrows and eyelashes, it's always been makeup. I tried to do, um, false eyelashes and i I just can't get it to stay on. I actually like studied makeup too, and I still can't do them. Um, but I've always you know i I have my one eyeliner that I use, and at m- many times in my life, Mac has tried to get rid of it, but I will fight them every single time, and I make my mom call and my sister calls, and my best friend calls, and then they end up not getting rid of it. but when you know what works for you, you just have to hold on to it um, and so, yeah, it's just eyeliner and eyebrow pencil. Um, I did have dermatillomania as well for a long time and tons of foundation and concealer for that, but I've gotten a lot better with that. Um, but some things that I feel like have really helped me and it, it's not going to show right now, I just had to cut my nails because I broke a couple of them, but when I kept them long, I wasn't able to pull as easily. So I was keeping them really long. Um, I always keep a couple of spoons in the freezer because when that itch comes, I immediately pull out a spoon and I'm like go away, itch, go away, go away. Um, What else? I started on an antidepressant that also helps with my anxiety. And I feel like that's done so much for me. I mean, I still have my harder times, but I feel like that's really helped. Um, What else? I realized that um, a lot of my issues, like I could go months without pulling, but a lot of it's related to PMDD. Um, and so every couple of months I get just a really bad month of that and it makes me pull. Um, and so I'm working on a whole treatment plan with my gynecologist trying to help like regulate my hormones to see if I can manage that a little bit better, but just different things like um, things that I learned from the retreat, you know, the importance of sleep. I think the biggest thing, and I'm struggling with it, trying to get back on the the bus of it, but um, cutting sugar, like sugar is aside from my PMDD sugar is like the biggest trigger for me. And so when I cut sugar and I try to avoid it, especially like late night snacking, I do so much better. It just, I don't know, it causes that, that itch that lives in all of us. So.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to talk about when you mentioned like perfectionism, I caught myself, you know, many times, like if I pull like two, you know, two lashes or two hairs on this side, like I'm pulling two on this side, even if it doesn't itch. Did you find yourself doing the same thing?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get, I'm at a point where I've got like a couple of long ones on either side. I was doing really good. Um And I like every single time I'd get to this point, I would just pull those and I would just start from scratch. And I'm like, you know what, No, know what? It, it doesn't matter who sees them. It doesn't matter what's there. There's some there. And I feel like that's kind of keeping me going. Like I didn't get myself to the bare point. Same thing with my brows. So um, trying not to do the perfectionism thing, it's really mm-hmm. hard, but I'm trying to force myself to leave the bathroom. And there are certain things, like I got rid of um, a magnifying mirror in my house. Um, and that was a huge, huge win for me. Um, there are so many little things and just i don't have any right here. Actually I do like little fidgets got this little like ring thing that you just put on your fingers and this is the best for me I also bite my nails so I have to, always have to keep them done so I don't but when I'm driving I get really stressed and I bite my nails so this helps mostly with that but there's lots of different things but I really think sugar and my hormones are my biggest things that I, I try to regulate to help myself mm-hmm.
0: so besides the car because that like, car is like a big trigger for me too. like like especially like where the you know the window is it's just like perfect like I'm just right here where are some other places that you find yourself being like triggered to pull
1: right here this is my desk this is where I work every single day this is a huge trigger for me um and so I don't have to be on video on all of my calls but I choose to because if I am then I'm not pulling I'm not pulling in front of people um I don't pull in front of my kids. I don't have them all the time. I recently got divorced and so I only have them half the time, but I do a lot better when they're here. Um, I minimize my time in the bathroom because the bathroom is a huge trigger spot, but then in my bed. Um, And so I try to do things to make sure I fall asleep really quickly so that I don't have like that in between almost a sleep phase because I feel like that's a, a constant one for me. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like when I'm up really late and tell me if you're the same if I'm up really late I'm almost in that trance like state that I get when I'm pulling and it's just like no one else is here it's just me like it's you know it's I'm in that
1: zone do you feel the same yes absolutely oh my gosh it's so easy. Or if I'm like sitting on the couch watching a movie, so I hardly watch TV anymore just because I feel like that's a bad spot for me too. So like I'll try to, um, have a book with me if I'm like laying on the couch or laying in my bed so that I'm, you know, keeping my hands steady. Cause then I can't pull. The other thing I started doing, and this was um, a new one during COVID, but I started making jewelry and just beading, keeping my hands busy has been so helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. When I went to, I was in a study, um, about trick and one of the things they said was like beading and it it's great like I love I just like love the little beads I love all that stuff but you know I I always say like I find a way you know like I'll bead and then I will pull my
1: hair out after you know like but it
0: is such a really nice to have both hands busy it's just like
1: I, I feel like maybe my hands I don't know if it's in my old age or what but like I'm starting to get a little bit of I don't know if it's like arthritis in my hands, but I feel like after a long beating session, if I can just focus on that, then my hands hurt, and then they don't mm. want to pull. Like even if I have the itch, I'm just like, <laughs>
0: hmm Oh yes, and I, and I always, you know, when I keep pulling or you know pulling from the same spot, that red indent on my index finger, even if it's like it looks like it's going to bleed, I still will keep doing it, and then I'm like, ow.
1: Ah. Yep, I'll put a bandaid on there just to to make it harder
0: hmm. Yeah. Now I have a question from someone and they said, do you ever play music in the bathroom or dance while doing bathroom routines?
1: Yes, I have music going. Other than right now, I have music going in my house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I have one in the bathroom, one in my bedroom and one out here by my desk. And I stop like This is one thing that I learned in the retreat, but it's, you have to kind of regulate whether your body is revving high or revving low. Um, And I noticed that I rev low a lot and that kind of puts me in this like bored trance state that makes me want to do it. Um, And so I I will literally just in the middle of my day, probably five to six times a day, just jump out of my desk and have a little dance party. I dance when I'm getting ready. I literally have my my music playing nonstop, even when I sleep, because it, I don't know, it makes me happier. I feel like happiness helps with my calling.
0: Definitely, definitely. Thank you for answering that. Um, so, I'm curious, did you notice? I know you mentioned that you pulled from your hair, from your scalp, when you were pregnant. Did you notice any other changes in your trick while you were pregnant?
1: I felt like it was actually easier to manage when I was pregnant. And I think some of that was just that, like, I don't want to have to worry about my eyeliner running down my face while I'm delivering my children. Um, so, I feel like that helped. But,. Um, then postpartum doesn't help with that either afterwards. So it was it was kind of hard, but I do feel like, I don't know, this was definitely a big thing. Um, I think that was it. I don't know if I remembered anything else. And so
0: in your daily life, I know you met a friend on on in a chat room who you're still friends with, which is awesome. Yes. Have you met anyone else in real life besides like the retreat, just like in passing or maybe you already knew them, that had trick that you didn't know until later?
1: I actually found out recently that my little sister has, I mean, hers is very mild compared to mine, but um, she has certain spots on her head that she pulls from. Um, And I think when it comes to BFRBs in general, I think it's like a, I know that there is a hereditary trait to it. I learned biting my nails from my dad um, and he still does that, but um, I don't know if I've met anybody else that I've known a long time that I you know recently came to discover has it but just meeting different people along the way like like i see a, a chiropractor on a regular basis and she told me that she has a client who has a daughter who's like a year and a half old who has started um and then a four-year-old daughter who has it as well and i'm like give her my number i'm happy to talk anytime because i know like i can only imagine what my parents went through with it um and to me, the way that they handled it was the best that they could do. And if my daughter or my son end up with something like this, you know, I'm going to handle it the best that I possibly can. But I've learned so much that I want to be able to share that with other people. So I'm, you know, I'm like that person, if anybody comes in and she thinks has it, they're like, go talk to Jen. Nice.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. Now, how did it, how did it feel knowing that, you know, you had your sister who could relate to you?
1: I mean it was different like hers was so hidden that she never felt like the shame of it but then when she realized that she actually had it and it was similar um it was just like I don't know it was we've always been incredibly close but I feel like it just made us even closer because again I mean aside from you know the retreat or my friend Kate like I didn't really know anybody else who could relate to what I was going through and I think she still can't be I don't know. I think there's like different forms. And for her, it's really mild case. Where for me, I feel like with, you know, my eyebrows, my eyelashes and how long I've been doing it to me, it feels like a a stronger case, I suppose. But um, definitely felt good to have somebody I could talk to that, you know, is family and actually got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: What are some advice, like pieces of advice that you would give someone, you know, you would give parents? Like, what are some things that worked for you growing up that your
1: parents did or some things that didn't work? I don't know that anything they did worked when I was a kid. So I will say that the number one thing is don't shame your children. It's incredibly hard. Um, my daughter sucks on these two fingers, and she's seven and a half, and it's COVID, and she's got her fingers in her mouth, and I'm trying really hard to figure out how to break that. Um, but I, I've stopped bringing it up because I don't want her to feel ashamed about it. Like it's turned into more things where now she does like she'll suck her fingers and she pulls her hair too. And I'm worried that it's going to turn into more. She's my child. Um, And so I'm trying to keep her dad from also, you know, continuously bringing it up because I don't want her to feel shame. But to me, that's the biggest thing. Um, You know, when I first started, we had just got the internet when I was in high school. So, you know, researching it in the way that we can now wasn't an option, but if you find your child you think that they have something like this, the very first thing is just do as much research as you possibly can, but don't tell them about it. You just do this research on your own, um, find a really kind way to bring it up to them of, you know, I was doing this research, I noticed you were pulling your hair, and I wanted to let you know that there's a name to it, this exists, and just offer therapy. I feel like if I'd had therapy, so much sooner that maybe it would have made an impact. Um, There's so many therapists out there now that are trained specifically in BFRBs, And I personally don't have one. Um, I haven't found one close to me yet, but they are all over the country. And you meet so many of them at the retreat too, and they've got other resources. But I feel like just having somebody to talk to you about it, finding things like the, the support groups, the chat groups, whatever, um, it's just so helpful to know that you're not alone. And I didn't have that for so long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that the shame thing is so huge because we're already
0: shaming ourselves. Like We don't need that extra, like, I'm already beating myself up. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're crazy. You know, having such negative self-talk that I definitely don't want it from anyone else.
1: Oh, absolutely. I So, growing up, I was like this teeny tiny twig. And then I went into high school and started dating a guy who turned out to be a chef and started eating and then I went away to college and then I had kids and all of a sudden I got to this point where I was like not only am I the fat girl but I also am the fat girl with no eyebrows and eyelashes and I can't grow my hair long and I had all these like awful negative things about myself and I felt really bad for a really long time and I started to feel better after the retreat and then honestly something just switched in me last year while everybody else was like freaking out about COVID I discovered myself and I started to take control of the things and started to just like focus on my own happiness. And like, it's not perfect, but I keep little like anecdotes around my desk that remind me of, you know, my affirmations and things like that. And I got the I am app and it tells me little happy things all the time. And Mm -hmm. just the little things we can do to remind ourselves to not be ashamed that it, you know, and one of the things, and I, I love this. It was something that, um, do you know, Chris, Dr. Christy Garner, The name
0: sounds familiar.
1: So she's, she was at the retreat. She's um, always doing things for um, tricks. She had it. um, I think her daughter has it, Um, but she's a chiropractor. She's a doctor of chiropractic and she has all of these tricks. But the one thing that she taught me at the retreat was like, this is all about your sensitivity. This is your body regulating itself. We're all these like really sensitive human beings. And it makes us even more empathetic and more emotionally intelligent. And we're so much better for other people. So it's really our own superpower. And I, I don't know, like hearing that and like feeling that coming from somebody that I think is so brilliant and beautiful and wonderful just meant so much to me. And I try to, you know, whenever I meet somebody else who has a BFRB, try to tell them that it, it makes us more um, sensitive and I love that. And I had this freak out moment with her when I was at the retreat of like, this is a hereditary thing. My daughter's already doing this thing where she sucks her fingers and pulls her hair into it, like in her fingers. She doesn't pull her hair out yet, but I was so nervous that this is what she was going to end up doing. And she was like, Jen, you are the very perfect person to be raising this child because you know what to do now. You've been through it. You saw what didn't work for you. You've come to the retreat and you've heard about what worked for other people. And yes, you're still battling with it and we will always be battling with it, but who better to parent her? She winds up having it than she has somebody who's on her court or in her court or on her side, you know, no matter what. So that made me feel so much better.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Because that is something, you know, I, I do hope one day, you know, in the future to have children. And and that was something I always thought about, like, you know, Oh no. But that was at the time when I was having such negative self-talk and I, I was constantly like not accepting of it. Um, but that's such a beautiful point, yes. Like, who who would be better besides yeah. you? Exactly. That's really nice. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because my mom, she would always, like, grab her hair from here and she would twist it into, like, this special, I don't even know how she would do it. She would, like, twist it and, like, do this, like, like, put it on her nose and, like, near her mouth. And, and when we first had it, when I first, you know, was showing symptoms, they, the doctors first would be like, did you, like, do you pull it out? And she's like, no, I just like put it on my face. But when I pull my hair out, I rub it on my face. So, you know, definitely there's a link there that I, you know, didn't think about at first.
1: I completely agree. My mom has always had really short hair and I always wondered if it had anything to do with like her having those kind of tendencies as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now,
0: you know, when you noticed pulling your hair before, I love, a hair that like either sticks up it's crinkly it is gray it doesn't look how it's supposed to and I need it I just need it to go is yeah. that how you felt as
1: well absolutely I'm at the point where I start to get great eyelashes and that <laughs> drives me so insane um, but like even with my eyebrows um, you know the microblading helps it hides a lot of things um, but I can sit there and I can see him in the mirror and be like that one is sticking way too straight or this one is just underneath my microblading i got to get rid of it and then it kind of just starts that spiral so it's i try to i actually went i think it was like two weeks with that gray eyelash in there and then finally it just it went away (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. two weeks is a long time that's like really
1: good i know i was really proud of myself and then all of a sudden i was just like but again i feel like my pmdd is just really bad sometimes and it was yeah, it was recently really bad. So I'm still kind of recovering from that, but Mm -hmm. it's weird. I'm at the point where, um, so I'm, I'm not officially divorced yet. I'm in the process of divorce and we're having this super amicable, happy divorce. I've bought a house a block away. Um, and so I'm at the point where I've started dating and I hadn't dated somebody and like had to deal with this in 12 years. I was with my ex-husband for 12 years. Um, and so now it was like, like the first guy that I dated outside of my marriage, um, we weren't together all that long, but like, we just talked about everything and I was super comfortable with him. And I, you know, I told him, I was like, I pulled my hair out and he was like, well, I hope you're happy now and you don't need to. And I'm like, it's not related to being happy with a dude. It's not you. So like, it's hard to explain that to somebody and be like, just because we're happy and in a relationship now doesn't mean that all of a sudden this is going to go away because it's while I feel like there are moments in my life where like everything was great and I was super happy and whatever and I stopped for a really long time it doesn't mean like if I start pulling that something's wrong with you or something's wrong with our relationship it literally is just my body regulating itself it's my Mm -hmm. body regulating trauma I think
0: yes yeah I have um I like wrote about this one time, I feel like I'm, I'm at the happiest point of my life. Like these, you know, these last few years have been just like the best of my life and arguably some of the worst of my (laughs) pulling, like, you know, so I'm like, that doesn't match because I'm really happy inside.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's not correlated to your happiness at all. I think it, I really do think that, um, I mean, there's so much research out there. Um, there's a, an Instagram, I think it's called trick trick tips, Something like that, um but she talks about how like she's been doing research and thinks that it's like mites that are in our eyebrows or on our face or whatever that cause it. Um, you know that stuff may exist i don 't really know, but like i don 't know it's just interesting the more research that comes out about it, the more that people are talking about it, the more you know funding that goes to researching all that kind of stuff, the more they 'll find out, but it's hard really to get people to understand it's it really isn't about happiness,
0: mm. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, them saying, oh, just stop or, you know, put in your hand. It's like, I want to do this right now. It's like, I'm going to. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's like, I know what I'm doing at this point. Maybe when I was younger, I, you know, wanted that. I don't think I did though. But, you know, as I've had it for, you know, 20 years, I don't, I we we're in it for the long haul, yeah. me and this trick, you know, I don't yeah. need you to tell me.
1: Exactly. And anything that you say isn't going to get me to stop. There's literally nothing anybody else can say that's going to get me to stop. But there are moments where I'm like, whatever. Like, it's actually gotten to a point where, um, so I've grown my eyelashes out to the point where I was able to have like a lash lift and tint. And I felt like that was really beneficial for me. However, if I put in or put on any mascara, it feels too heavy. My eyes aren't used to it. If I try to like use a lash curler or whatever um it like breaks them off which starts the process all over again so it's like I just need to get to the point where I can just have the lash lift and tint done and like figure out how to stay away from it but it it's hard like when you're used to not having or you're not used to seeing lashes there all the time and then all of a sudden they're there they're heavy and they're just it's just I don't know it's like I want them to be there but it's also not my um my identifier I think you know hmm.
0: Yeah. And I, I was speaking to one of my friends on FaceTime. And I was like, I think they asked about my eyelashes. And I was like, same old, you know, like, I, you know, I don't really have any. And they were like, well, that's just like, you know, when I think about you, that's just your face. Like, I wouldn't even notice. Like, I couldn't even tell if you're missing something. Like, to me, that's just your face. And I was like, that's cute. Like, I like that you said that, because it helps me say they, you know, they love me no matter what. This is what, like, who I am.
1: When I have those moments where I'm like battling it it's definitely like having those people that accept you. I found even still now, like now that I'm in my own house and when I don't have my kids, like I will go to sleep and I will, you know, take off all my eyeliner or whatever and feel great and put on like lash growth type stuff or whatever. But my whole life, like I wore my eyeliner and my eyebrow pencil to sleep because I had this awful irrational fear that my house is gonna start on fire and all of a sudden we're all gonna have to run outside and these like hot firemen are gonna see me without eyelashes and eyebrows. And then my family would see, like I I can't even tell you how long I went. It must've been 20 years before I really actually allowed anybody to see me without my eyelashes and eyebrows on. Um, and there are still certain people like, I am I, okay with it now, um, but it, like with dating, no. it's really hard
0: yes and what was interesting for my relationship my boyfriend's name's Dan I'm with him for six years when I first shared with him I wasn't showing any symptoms of it like I had I feel like I had everything and then within like a year or two of us dating then he's seeing everything I mean now I have like you know no eyelashes like bald spots you know he's really seen it now but it was even though I wasn't showing symptoms I still felt scared to tell him at first
1: yeah like, it's do you so believe me? yeah you know yeah and honestly like so it, it took until last year to finally make this decision to end my marriage and I I love my ex husband we are great friends um there just isn't that like you know that romance there or whatever but for the longest time there were all these things like he's an amazing dad why would you want to leave him he's an amazing dad or like in my head it was if you start dating again, you're you're gonna have to explain your trick to people. You're gonna have to be vulnerable enough to be like in presence of somebody else without your eyelashes on or whatever, or without your eyeliner on. And that was scary. And I feel like that was one of the things that kind of kept me from making that decision for so long because he was accepting of me. I mean, we weren't like in love, but like he was accepting of me and I, I don't know, it was hard to think of giving that up and starting over is and, hard to think about that
0: yes and especially because you know sometimes there are certain people I just feel like they don't deserve to know as weird as that sounds I'm like you don't really need to know yeah and Absolutely. so that's you know especially if you want to you know start dating someone it's like how do I know when and then if I even want to because you know I like you now well if I don't you know it is it is such a hard thing to decide it
1: is and it's I don't know I feel like I'm dating at 37 and with like online dating and COVID, it's a completely different world from when I met my ex-husband and anything that I dated before. But like, I feel like people are more open about their issues. And so then you kind of feel like you have to talk about your stuff. I'm at this point in my life where, you know, talking about my trick. um, I recently was interviewed on a podcast about my sexual assault, like talking about that kind of stuff. And actually, I don't know, like it kind of came to this, point of maybe all these bad things that happened to me um like were meant to happen so that I could I don't know if it's writing a book or I always dream of writing a musical or writing that like perfect song with those perfect lyrics that hit somebody that can help somebody but I'm to the point where I'm like trying to be really open about these kind of things so that people will get it um where people will feel less alone or just help somebody but it's it's hard like that first time I put it on my my Instagram page it's a it's a public Instagram page. My coworkers were on there, like that was really hard. And there's still coworkers mm-hmm. that I'm like, they don't deserve to know. I mean, they know, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Now my next my qu- next question was, what inspired you to make this Instagram?
1: Actually, after the retreat, I was like, I thought blogging about it would help, and I actually did create. And I own the rights to um this tricky life. I think it's. I don't know if it's .com. I haven't done this in so long. I couldn't really figure out how to use the the WordPress platform. I'm tech savvy, but not that tech savvy. Um, but I thought, I, I'm just, I don't know. Again, finding ways to talk about things is only going to help each other heal. I spent so much of my life being alone with this, thinking I was alone with this. The more that we talk about things, like like talking about my sexual assault, like almost every single woman has been in some way, shape or form, assaulted in their life. And talking about it is just going to make other people feel less alone. Um, I read a blog post about somebody who had almost the exact same experience as I did. And I was like, Oh, my God, I thought it was just me. Holy crap. So I had this idea of creating a blog that would help other people inspire them to feel, you know, open with their with their issue, whatever it was, um, and just feel less alone, feel less ashamed. And I just kind of I never really went anywhere with it, but I always think I need to. I always want mm. to.
0: Well, also, it's just, like, what I've noticed in my path is, like, when Tumblr was really huge, I, like, searched once or twice, like, Trichotillomania, and then I, like, messaged people who posted about it, and I was like, me too. And then they would, like, respond, and I wouldn't respond back. Like, I, I would say I have it too. And then that would be it. And then, you know, slowly over time, maybe I think it was what? like 10 years later then i make this instagram and i'm anonymous and it's just like the way that it worked out for me is just like how it was supposed to i mean i i I don't know why i never responded back to those people but you know i just wasn't ready yet you know i wasn't ready to fully dive in and tell them i just wanted them to know like hey me too but
1: yeah absolutely no i think we all have our our own path of you know it, it of accepting ourselves with it, of accepting that this is a lifelong process for us of, you know, being willing to talk about it. It's everybody's different. Every, mm-hmm. It hits everybody differently too. We all pull from different areas, pull in different ways, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What are some pieces of advice that you would give someone who is kind of like on the edge of wanting to share kind of scared too? though.
1: Ooh. Um, honestly, it's just doing it in your own time. Don't feel pressured just because you see people who are willing to talk about it doesn't mean that you have to. Um, if it's something that's like really calling you, um, and that, you know, no matter who sees it, you're going to be okay with that, then, then post. But if it's something that, um, like again, posting it and like letting all of my coworkers see, it was a really hard decision to make, but in the end, like, Wanting to fundraise for the HASA retreat was just so important to me that I was like, screw it, I'm doing this. Um, But it it really is. Do it in your own time and do it in a way that's totally congruent with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And Jen, it's been really nice speaking with you. Is there anything else you would like to say before we wrap up?
1: No, I'm just really grateful that you asked me to be interviewed and I have enjoyed chatting with you. And um, I'm just really grateful that you have the book in this platform to reach more people. I just love it.
0: Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I I enjoyed speaking with you as well. It's been really fun.
1: It has. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye.